One of the things that sacrifices in today's changing world is truth. What is the truth? Well, the Christian is committed to the life of truth. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Janice. And truth sometimes doesn't feel good, but the truth is the truth. And the truth shall set you free, according to Jesus Christ. We're going to study all about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 in about three minutes' time. So get ready for that. Corey, what's going on? Today, we're going to be looking at the remains of the temple. Ryan? Today, I'm going to be looking back to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, where Paul contrasts the Old Covenant with the New Covenant. Very interesting looking at 2 Corinthians, the second letter to the Corinthian church. Now, what did you do? Our weakness, God's strength. Okay, so we, we're all ready, so let's get ready to open the Bible guide. Let's open it up and look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and listen to what God is saying to us. Second Corinthians 4, 1 through 11. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 5, and 6. This is amazing on this Monday. You know, life is so much more than what happens to us. Now, to explain this statement... We need to think about how Jesus Christ changes our life after we come to him and give him our lives. Now, let me be clear here. Christians learn to order their lives and to make their decisions based on the moral constraints of the scripture. So we don't lose control of our lives. Our lives begin to resemble Christ as we follow to choose his morality. 
In this way, we can say that we aren't the masters of our own lives. We have given moral authority to God. God isn't the author of chaos. God is not the author of confusion. He is the creator, the originator, and the orderer of knowledge. We see this kind of reasoning play out in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. As we give control or lordship over our lives to Christ, things begin to change, and they begin to change for the better. Now, this is important, and we need to pay attention to this because God has spoken to us. So take your Bible guide and turn to today's passage, and that will take you to the Bible. In the Bible, as we look up 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and follow the Bible guide, it will show you exactly what God is saying. If you don't have a Bible guide, call us or write to us and we'll get you on the list for next year. That becomes very important because we're going to do this all over again. We're going to do the Bible guide and it's all new, fresh material. I look forward to writing it and uh, I'm, we're already, you know, started to write it and all of that. We've got some beautiful covers for next year. Anyway, uh, it's new material. And so we want to encourage you to get on the list for that. And many of you have been on the list for many years. So thank you for staying with us and reading through the Bible. Father, I pray today in the name of Jesus Christ, as we look at our amazing life in Christ, that you would teach us your way and show us your path. There's a lot of ways. There's a lot of people who say, well, do it this way and do it that way. And, you know, we're always looking for ways. But there's your way, which at the end of the day is the only way to success. Help us to see that, Lord. In Jesus' wonderful name, and we all said together, amen. Remember, we read the Bible not to find what we want in the Bible, but to discover what God told us. That's why we read the Bible. It becomes very important. All right, let's look at the scripture because this is important. The first one, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 1. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in the craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation or making known the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Paul's very good at this. Verse three. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds are the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine on them. Did you understand what Paul said? Listen carefully. Christians are committed to the life of truth in Jesus Christ, the life of truth in Jesus Christ. As Christ followers, we work to know the truth about our life in every way. And you know what? Sometimes that's not exciting because God told me many times in my life, this is wrong. And I don't want you to do that. I read in the word and I'm like, oh man, Lord, but we've always done it that way. God spoke to me, I know, and it's time to change. And I go with what the word says. 
that becomes hard. That's difficult. But the Holy Spirit helps us. God did not leave us to do that on our own. He gives his Holy Spirit to us to help us shift and change. It says, one song says, some people never change. And yet God changes people. I'd say it this way. Some people never change without the Holy Spirit. But with the Holy Spirit leading us, people can change. Very interesting. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Here's what the Bible says. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves to your bondservants for Jesus' sake. He calls himself a bondservant. For it is the God who commands light to shine out of the darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What's Paul saying? The truth is God shines through the Lord Jesus in our life as we live for him. Listen carefully. Our work is to submit to the Lord in everything we do. You know, a lot of reason to blame people these days. Well, he did that. And he border this and the border, the blame to start blaming people. Okay, maybe, but the important thing is for us to respond and to respond well, and to say, we don't like false stuff going on and lies going on, but Lord, we need to respond to these people. We need to help them, and we need to work with them, and many churches are doing that. So we need to pray and ask the Lord to teach us his way and show us his path. That's what we talk about here. That becomes very important. I love 2 Corinthians. It's great. We're going to get better in the next couple of days. Anyway, back to 2 Corinthians 4, 7 to 11. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. I love that. We are hard pressed on every side. Yes, we are, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but we are not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the life of Jesus also may be made known in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus Christ's sake, that the life of Jesus always may be made known in our mortal flesh. Paul tells us that God lives in us and we are made alive through him. God lives in us, and we are made alive through him. One of the greatest revelations of Jesus Christ is that we will live forever with him. God is going to, after our body perishes, our spirits live on. And God is taking the real us, and he's named us, I look forward to, what he's called me. But anyway, he gives us a new body. Uh, and this is as real as the day and the night. It's, it's happening. He, whenever we perish, he gives our, us a new body because our spirits do not. Our spirits live forever. Beloved, that is amazing. And that's the amazing thing about the life in Jesus Christ, or better known as the Christian life. 
Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right, on your phone, your iPhone or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there. Well, it's time now to carry on with our Bible study. And I know our reading today is 1 Corinthians chapters 4 through 6, but I want to go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, which we read over the weekend. And in this passage, Paul compares and contrasts God's old covenant with his new one in Jesus Christ. And so my segment today is just going to highlight some of these. So let's do that. In the third chapter of Paul's second letter to the church at Corinth, he makes several important contrasts between God's old covenant given through Moses and his new and superior covenant in Jesus Christ. He begins by noting that while the old covenant was physically engraved on tablets of stone by God, the new covenant is spiritually engraved on tablets of human hearts by God's Holy Spirit. Paul probably has in mind here the prophecy of Jeremiah 31, which promises a new covenant where the will of God will be written on people's hearts. Paul understands the church as the fulfillment of this prophetic vision. Paul also notes that while the old covenant brought condemnation and death, the new covenant brings righteousness and gives life, because, as Dr. Charles Stanley puts it, the law revealed God's righteous requirements to us, standards we could never hope to meet on our own. The Spirit, on the other hand, gives us life because He draws us to faith in Christ's provision on the cross. A third contrast Paul makes is that while the Old Covenant certainly came with glory, the New Covenant came with greater glory, surpassing glory even. Although the Old Covenant came with such glory that the Israelites could not even look upon the radiance of Moses' face, by comparison, the New Covenant came with even more glory. These lesser and greater glories can be likened to the lesser and greater lights. The moon is radiant, but if the sun is up, the moon no longer seems bright. Another thing Paul notes is that while the old covenant was temporal and passes away, the new covenant lasts. Even though the face of Moses shone radiantly with the glory of the Lord as a result of being in his presence, this glory eventually faded. However, the glory of the new covenant doesn't fade away, but rather increases until the believer gains through resurrection a glorious body like Christ. According to Paul, this fading glory of the old covenant is actually the main reason why Moses veiled his face from the people, that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. Sadly, this veil, which symbolizes a spiritual dulling or blindness and even unbelief, still remains on Israel to this day because they have rejected the one who took the veil away. As Paul says, this same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away only in Christ. As a matter of fact, Moses did not have the confidence or boldness of Paul because the Old Covenant was veiled. It was shadowy. It was made up of types, pictures, symbols, and mystery. Moses communicated the glory of the Old Covenant with a certain obscurity. In contrast, believers under the New Covenant can be bold and confident because the obscure types and shadows have been gloriously revealed in the substance and person of Jesus Christ. 
In this spirit of boldness, John MacArthur actually goes so far as to say that without Christ, the Old Testament is unintelligible. But when a person comes to Christ, the veil is lifted and his spiritual perception is no longer impaired. With the veil removed, believers are able to see the glory of God revealed in Christ. They understand that the law was never given to save them, but to lead them to the one who would. So just to review, Paul notes that first of all, the old covenant is physically engraved, but the new covenant is spiritually engraved. Second, the old covenant brought condemnation and death, but the new covenant brought righteousness and eternal life. Three, the old covenant came with great glory, but the new covenant came with an even greater glory. Fourth, the old covenant was meant to be temporary, but the new covenant is eternal. Five, the old covenant was veiled in shadows, symbols, and types, but the new covenant unveiled those types and shadows in the substance and person of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You know, it's interesting what one scholar said was that the Old Testament is concealed and the New Testament is revealed. And the New Testament reveals what the Old Testament concealed. Mm. That's very, very important. Chuck Misler used to say that, but that's very important. He's quoting an earlier scholar. Thank you, Ryan. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Corey? All right. So in the end of 2 Corinthians 6, we get an example of the teaching that the, the body of believers, so the, 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 the Christians themselves, have become the temple of God, meaning that His presence dwells with us. And that got me thinking about the, the, the physical temple that existed during the lifetime of Paul that he inevitably went to and studied there. Uh, and now that temple wouldn't survive much longer. It uh, was destroyed by the Romans in AD 70. And that got me thinking about the archeological remains from that temple that Herod the Great built. Take a look. The last Jewish temple to stand on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem was destroyed in AD 70 by the Roman military responding to a rebellion of the people. The temple and temple complex that was destroyed was the one that features on the pages of the New Testament. Herod the Great had begun renovations to it around 19 BC, and according to the stories that have passed down through history, it was Herod's crowning achievement unrivaled in beauty. Today, we have more than stories. In 2016, archaeologists working with the Temple Mount Sifting Project announced that they had reconstructed colorful tile work that once paved the floor of the temple complex. In opus sectile style, these geometrically arranged tiles utilized imported stones of varying types and color, and often incorporated what has become known as Herod's Triangle, a triangle Herod used as a sort of style signature. First century historian Josephus claimed that the temple complex's open court was from end to end variegated with paving of all manner of stones. A small sundial was also recovered in 1972 during excavations just south of the Temple Mount. The sundial was discovered in ancient debris from the destruction of the temple. It features a carved menorah on its back and is computed to tell time in Jerusalem. The back also has two indentations that tell historians it was mounted somewhere in the temple complex to keep its time-telling accurate. 
Another key find from the remains of the Jerusalem temple still retain its warning. Two copies of the temple's Gentile boundary signs have been found. In 1871 and 1935, the stones were found in secondary use and still boast their Greek inscriptions warning Gentiles to go no further. The Jewish Mishnah tells of a three-foot-high wall that was built in Herod's temple complex marking a sacred area that Gentiles were not allowed to breach. The historian Josephus adds that there were warnings posted along the wall, two of which, no doubt, have now been found. I think it's really interesting that even before the destruction of the Jerusalem temple in AD 70, the, the connections were already being made by the apostles and the disciples of Christ and, and the teachers of the gospel, that God's presence had moved now. We, we can track this movement of God's presence through the Bible where we see, you know, God's presence in the Garden of Eden and then it, and it being, um, you know, inaccessible by humanity. And then we've got it coming down uh, on Mount Sinai, God meeting Moses on Mount Sinai, and then traveling with the Israelites through the wilderness, being set up in the the Temple of Solomon. Uh, and now with Christ's death and resurrection, the veil being torn, and now the presence of God dwelling with his people once more, you can track that movement, uh, which is a really interesting thing to do, even eschatologically when it comes to looking towards the future. I think it's interesting to remember as well, and we just need to make this point, that uh, AD 70 was the time when, AD 70, 74, the Romans just wiped out the Jews. They were gone. And then it was yeah, May it was 14th, your birthday, 1948, mm -hmm. that they, after the Zion movement started in 1898, um, that they came together as a nation. Right. And then in 1967, the Six Day War, Brought very interesting. Yeah, there's changes. been a lot of a lot of interesting oh. world history that's been going on in the last little while. We live in a different time. We do, and this is a time in history. We are more consistent with the New Testament Church because we're in the same world that Israel is. So that's interesting. All right, I'm just saying, <laughs> fascinating. All right, Jen. Well, in this chapter, Second Corinthians chapter four, Paul talks about lifting up the Lord Jesus and not himself preaching about Christ Jesus the Lord, and serving God and others for Jesus' sake. He reminds us in verse 7 that we're all earthen vessels. It is Christ in us that carries us. Um, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6 talks about God being the light. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of of Jesus Christ. And then we see this comparison that shows the frailty of humanity, um, especially of those in service to God, and the evidence of God's power. And it reminded me, and the reason why I called it our weakness, God's strength, in that sweet little song that we sang as children that we still sing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Talks about Jesus loving us, that the Bible tells us so. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 through 9. It's God's strength in us, the power of Christ 
through us, as Paul says, um, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Listen, he says, we are hard pressed on every side because we're human beings, yet not crushed. Why? Because of God's power, the power of Christ in us. It says we are perplexed. Why? Because we're human beings, but not in despair. Why? Because of God's strength, because of Christ working through us. He said persecuted. Why? Because of even Christ himself was persecuted. And it says, but not forsaken. Because God never forsakes those who are persecuted for his namesake. And it says struck down. They were struck down, but not destroyed. Why? Because through God, whether our life is taken away here on earth through persecution, and there are many in today's world, and there have been many over the generations who have lost their lives through persecution, but they pass from the death of this body into eternal life with Christ. It's everlasting life. So, the believer, the Christian, the one who follows Jesus Christ, who have committed their life to him, they're not destroyed. This earthly body will be destroyed, but the spirit will live on forever with God. It says, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. So, you know, what's interesting is we talk about eternal life here. Uh On this program, Mm -hmm. we talk about living forever. And it seems so strange to people who watch us because they don't understand. They're just dealing with the world now. But if you're a Christian, if you know Jesus Christ, you understand because God has given you eternal life. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. Okay. And if we know the son of God, we know eternal life. Come to Jesus Christ and, and you will begin to understand why we are excited about the future because the Lord is in it. The Lord is there. And if we can look at the news today, we can understand that the future human wise is not that bright, but it is bright because God is in the future. So keep that in mind. That's very, very important. I want to thank you for supporting this ministry and keeping us alive. And may the Lord bless you because this ministry teaches his word. His word is very much a part of my life and very much a part of our life. And we don't always get it right, but we're doing our best to learn what God has told us 
And I wanna pray for you, Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for all the people who've given and helped us through this time and continue to help us as we continue through the difficulty. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would bless them and help them today. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.